And welcome back to another Whitmer Quick podcast, Talking Hockey. I'm Mike, and over here is Jeff. Uh, no fire memorabilia, memorabilia around here, Jeff. Nah. But happy Taps by uh, Derek Rant is the way I feel today. On next is love it. Happy uh, Taps. Happy Taps. Dude, I will forever love that gif of Derek Can't Grant just, just tapping uh, Nick Suzuki's head like four times. Mm-hmm. Just tap, tap, tap. <laughs> I can just picture him. I just tap, 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 tap. And then Shea Weber get, comes over and gets pissed off. Here's the, here's the funny thing I mean, it, thing is, it is an asshole move to do. It is, but here's the thing, though. Last year in the playoffs, uh, Brock Nelson did it to a Carolina Hurricanes goalie, and in the handshake after handshake line uh, after the Hurricanes swept the Islanders, one of the Hurricanes players uh, tapped the helmet of uh, Brock Nelson, so it was payback. But uh, of course, with Nick Suzuki, he tapped you know Carter Hart's helmet after the and goal. Carter Hart took it at the end of that uh, end of that sequence. He was going after yeah. going after it with uh, Suzuki. Yeah, you know, there's a little sequence there, but it was really um, Derek Grant who really got carried away by tapping Suzuki's head like four times before there was a little scrum at the end. And even, as you mentioned, Carter Hart at the very end of it, for uh, I, I don't know what was said. Uh, I would love to know what happened though. But I think he just wasn't over the whole head tapping thing. From the I beginning. wouldn't be either. It's and a very was, disrespectful move. That's the one thing I will... Obviously, if you have been living under a rock or if this is your only hockey outlet, that a second round has started and the Flyers beat the Canadians. So, yes, for the first time in eight years, years. the Flyers have made the second round. Yes, which is a surprise to maybe some. I don't know if many people really thought at the beginning of the year that the Flyers would be in the second round at this point. Most, mostly not just because of us, but I'm just saying because of how good the metro is it's not an right. easy thing to do to make it to the next round that's fair and, and that's a very fair comment to make because the metropolitan division is the toughest division mm-hmm. uh i think yeah it is and it is very close and ironically it's just the islanders and flyers left in the metro yep and, and no surprise at all that's still the tampa and boston, and boston and the atlantic mm-hmm. And really, Boston seems to have found their feet going. Um, they have. So Tampa Bay, that's just going to be like we're going. We're going to get to each of these series and our thoughts of that. But that's one thing that's that's going to be an interesting series to see how it plays out. Yeah. Uh, in the West, I was wrong about. I knew there was going to be an upset in the first round. I was just wrong about which team it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should have known because Arizona really was going off of. Um, uh, Kemper being kind of Darcy being hit, uh, shut down every game. Yeah, and, and against and the Avalanche, there was like no this, just too Arizona hard to just deal. didn't have. Even though you have Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel, you had uh, they just didn't have the offense, and yeah. that Colorado was able to take advantage. Um, but the Blues, who never really got really going since the play restarted, um, yeah, Bennington didn't look great. Nope. <sighs> Jake Allen looked okay at times, but he still didn't play better, either. Better, but not great. And then, believe it or not, the defending cup champions again, like last year, out in the first round. Yep. If you remember correctly, it was the Carolina Hurricanes taking out the Washington Capitals last year. 
Yep. Double. That one went seven, right? Overtime, game seven. Brock McGinn. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, it's. And obviously, it, it, the other yeah. series. Uh, Vegas and uh, Vancouver, and it's mm-hmm. going to be uh, and it's Dallas and Colorado. Yes, correct. Um, but before we continue anymore, let's there's break some down new, today's there's lineup There's actually some here. news uh, coming up too. But uh, there has first, been. yes. Um, so today's lineup, uh, we have a coach getting fired. Uh, some of us, this is not, not a surprise. We'll get into who it is, what team, and some possible replacements for this coach and what team it is. Uh, we have an Andrei Seveshnikov update, which is huge for Carolina. Um, so we'll break that down. Uh, we ha- have the cover athlete for NHL 21. Uh, it's an athlete that has already appeared on an NHL video game before. And uh, there are some breakdown um, for some some uh, minor uh, updates about the the game and uh, that we can get into. Uh, of course, we've got the stat head coming up, and later we have some hockey rants on two analysts. And uh, after that, uh, we have obviously our predictions uh, for the second round. Yep, and uh, I think to really close it out, uh, it's really the Flyers' uh, preview slash predictions. Yep, against the Islanders. Uh, but first, so, we can kind of start off with the. Yeah, Not really the biggest thing because the playoffs are going on, and obviously that's the biggest thing going on in the uh, NHL. But for the teams that just got eliminated, uh, there's some news there. Washington obviously being the uh, most the biggest one and firing Todd Reardon, which really should not have been surprised because to me at least, since he took over, he just – since Barry Trotz left and the little time he took over, he just – the Capitals were not the same team. Uh, I don't think he was very good at – handling tough situations and really it was something I brought similar to what I brought up. And I think I brought it up about Todd Reardon too, mm-hmm. um, about the Flyers head coaches of the past and having to come back from um, uh, being down or like yeah. tough situations. And those guys and Dave Haxel and Craig Ruby more so Dave Haxel Ruby had his moments too, but those moments they weren't able to really, get the guys going again and Ty Reardon was another one the the thing that would have made me let him go was uh, that I keep mentioning it and it's just such a surprise uh that anyone would let any goalie in for this long is that flyers blow out of the capitals mm-hmm. during the season and he kept uh Hopi in there for seven goals and as a head coach you just you know your team isn't playing well so having your goalie in there for that long yeah. knowing he's gonna he might have to face this again and more it's just, it was just not a great look and believe it or not when Hopi did get pulled he was pissed oh absolutely because again like when when you you know no matter what game whether it's playoffs regular season or whatever if you get pulled you know that's that happens you yeah. know it's even the best goals the they game. get pulled yeah. it's part of the game you know but you expect to get pulled at a reasonable time yeah if if it's like the fl- I'll, I'll put it this way if, if they if the team scores three quick goals on you right away you know that then you can make a legitimate case for it especially if there are bad goals but typically you see a goal get pulled with after four goals especially yeah. five goals even i say six at the absolute most but no Todd Reardon during that game pulled Braden Holby after the seventh goal you just don't do that one to a good goalie, a star goalie, really, especially to a, 
guy like Braden Holby for the Washington Capitals, who, by the way, helped you win your first ever Stanley Cup. And two, that is literally a Patrick Waugh situation all over again. You're yep. just asking the guy to get uh, for to request a trade or want to leave. So honestly, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, well, I'll put it this way. If Kevin – sorry, Kevin. It's Todd Reardon. I've been saying Kevin way too much lately. If Todd Reardon, honestly, it's because I don't was, know how to. It's because I haven't been able to spell Reardon off the top I, of my head, so I just go Kevin because it, it's easier. It's it really is, and I don't want to say it, Todd because that's just weird. It, it is weird, but no, it's um, it's R E I R D E N. There's no yeah. O. It's Reardon. Yeah, yeah. I accidentally spelled it with an O the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, but no. So for Todd Reardon. I'll put it this way. If he was still here by the beginning of next season, including into free agency or anything, I would not be surprised if Braden Holby did not want to re-sign a contract. Uh, that's just me personally, but he's gone, so that could change the perspective of Holby. He is a UFA. I still wouldn't be surprised if Holby leaves and tries to test free agency. Obviously, we'll um, break down that more. Yeah, break down now the that capitals. the Capitals are out, uh, we um, will have our breakdown. And yeah, but do you know the crazy thing is this but, is the uh, actually, for this. But by the way, real quickly sorry. though, the Flyers. This is the first time quite some time I remember that the Flyers have advanced further than the Capitals and Penguins. Probably, probably 2012 was the last yeah, time because the, the Cap- Capitals was, lost. That was around. Cap- that was still around that time the Capitals just couldn't get out of the first round. Yeah, yeah, and the Penguins, of course, and also the Flyers were yeah. Round. But uh, yeah, sorry, I just had to bring it up. It, gr- it brings me great joy. <laughs> I know. Anyway, um, but also just going back to what we were talking about when playing goalie, we saw that in the Flyers Montreal series in Game yeah. Two. Remember, it was after I think Game Goal Four they pulled four. Carter Hart because they realized, okay, the team's not playing great in front of you. It's it's not. We'll your just fault. get you out of here. Yeah, yeah. get out, you out of here. Obviously, there was another goal that was scored, but at, at the final was like five. It, it nine, was, but, the damage was already done. Yeah, and it wasn't an against Carter Hart, and even no. he almost got pulled again, and obviously in game six. And but, a lot of people were criticizing Lee Vigneault, um for that yeah. move, where I think it was – I thought it was, it, was game, off, it was game five. Uh, game five, sorry, yeah. Game five. And game where, six, um, yes, where after Hart led in another goal, it was, it was definitely a bad goal. But he was all sides. Yeah. He skated over to the bench because he was expecting expect to get pulled. Yeah, Brian Elliott was getting his stuff on. And then yeah. they saw the replay. I was like, yeah, that, there's no reason just, to do just, this. Just hold up. You know, let's see the replay. Okay, it's all sides. You're going to just stay in that. And to be fair, I think that gave Hart a boost of confidence. But people mm-hmm. were um, bashing Elaine Vigneault saying, what, you're getting ready to pull him. Just I would say, I would crap him. I talk more crap on him more if he didn't call Carter Hart over after and talk to him. If he just yeah. leaves him in the in the net, then that whole situation is even worse. And that I don't I think Hart with. feels any better about it. Yeah. So I don't think Vigneault deserved any crap for pull, uh, getting ready to pull him, but then talk mm-hmm. to him and, and push him back in. I think he did a great job. And again, he's a veteran head coach for a reason. He's gone to two Stanley Cup Finals appearances. Um, he's won a Jack Adams Award, and, you know, he's potential potential to win another this year, as he should, in my personal opinion. But uh, we'll see what happens. But all in all, though, um, you know, there's a fine line with knowing when the right time is to yeah. pull a goalie. But um, for... And the Capitals just yeah. never... To me... and I'll It's like get... they weren't ever playing for Todd Reardon. 
No, it's not even that. And obviously, it sucks that you didn't have um, Backstrom for every, yeah. almost every game in the series. He got hurt in the first game, and they just couldn't really come back to it. Um, and it's weird because normally when you see those situations, it's because like Tampa Bay uh, last mm-hmm. year when they got swept by Columbus, they got pushed around, and that's yeah. why it happened. Big but time. Under Todd Reardon, they just didn't know how to uh, break a defensive-oriented system. So them playing the Islanders was the worst-case scenario for them. Yeah, it really was. Because, again, the Islanders are more right now, at least for this year, they're more of a complete team than Capitals. And the Islanders uh, so are not even technically John, a complete John team. Carlson didn't play until game one of that series anyway, so he wasn't at the top of his game either. No. Um, I will say this, though. Even with Nicholas Backstrom in the lineup completely healthy, I still had the Islanders winning. Yeah, I, I wrongly, I wrongly, even though I made the prediction that they should, that I thought the Capitals were going to win. I, I, I re- it's one of those things where you realize, I'm like, how did you just make that pick? Yeah, right. I, I had and that feeling with Vancouver also, in St. Louis. Where and maybe I just because the Capitals, maybe it's because the Capitals won it. Like a couple yeah. years ago, so I think they're finally going to get out of the first round. But it seems to, to me that both even Pittsburgh, too, am I even put in there, too, that their teams back to what they were like in the yeah. middle uh, 2010s of not getting far in the playoffs. Yeah. And at some uh, point for the Capitals, even though, again, it's only two years since your last cup, and not that Brian McCullen really has much of a choice mm-hmm. here, but. That and I and we'll probably get to this more when you break them down. Um, I'd actually may make the argument to let Hopi right. go. Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, and, and probably let I him go. About well, yeah, I'd probably let him go too. Just yeah, because um, there was you, or actually yeah. Mercer. I would have fired him for not bringing back Barry Trotz, and that was yeah. another that was another nightmare scenario because Barry Trotz coached his team two years ago and brought him to the cup. He would know how to beat him. He would know how to stop. And he uh, did. Ovechkin, and he did. And he did. He showed you know, Ovechkin. You know, uh, again, Ovechkin, Ovechkin had a couple there, goals. But Ovechkin had, Ovechkin had to be the whole offense, essentially, because because not stuff at times had offensive yeah. abilities, but John Carlson, I didn't notice at all. No. Um, the other, so, really quickly here about um, Brian McClellan. He announced uh, just yesterday, we have uh, higher expectations for our team, and we felt a fresh approach in leadership was necessary. He announced again in a statement for the Capitals about um, relieving Todd Reardon of his coaching duties. We would like to thank Todd for all of his hard work and efforts with our organization. Todd has been a big part of our team for more than half a decade, including our Stanley Cup run in 2018. We wish him and his family all the best moving forward. It does sound like there are rumors, though, that um, Todd Reardon could already be an assistant coach with another team in the Metro, and that is the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's rumors right now. Nothing has been confirmed. I could see that you're having a ball. Just yeah. I mean, if they want, if they want bad coaches, I'd happily trade them. Uh, yeah. Give them Tarion. So <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I will say this: I feel like for Todd Reardon, he's one of those coaches where he's. I'm not. I don't think he is, but. He's probably one of those better coaches where he's a better assistant coach than an actual head coach. Maybe. I don't know how he would be as an assistant head coach, but at least at that point, you don't have the whole responsibility of overseeing everything. You're just one part of it. So that exactly. helps a little bit. It's just depending on what you can do, but you're literally replacing like 
if on that one you had what Mark Recchi and I forget who the other guy was that they got rid of. It was Sergey Gonchar. Yeah, you're getting rid of t- those two guys and putting Todd Reardon in there. <laughs> Obviously, Yikes. not not every star is going to be a great coach and vice versa. Right. Um. um and another all right. thing, so yeah, to quickly transition out of that, but still this. Um, some good news out of Carolina, uh, yeah. and that Svechnikov, it sounds like he will be good for the start of next season, and it does seem to be a uh, sprain. And when you see the video, yeah. you're glad it's just uh, it was just that and nothing worse. Yeah, it, it definitely looked a lot worse. I really was so worried for Andrei Svechnikov. And, um, Those Russian it, names. Yes, it, it honestly looks like because he the way he was holding his knee, it looked yeah. like possible an ACL, MCL kind of situation, and just very gratefully he was only a high ankle sprain. Uh, so that's good news there. I'm sure he'll make a full recovery, and um, again, it, it would probably take several weeks. Um, but I, I'm just really hoping for the best for him. Well, if the season doesn't start until like December, January, whatever the next season would start, I think that's enough time maybe to heal. But I, don't know. I think it will be. I, Again, obviously, everyone heals. Everyone heals high, differently. That's that's um, a good point. Um, high maybe sprints, they're not, definitely not fun. But maybe not playing every other day like they were in the in this bubble. Yeah. Maybe that'll help them because if you remember when Drew had his hip problems or where the problems had mm-hmm. theirs, it took him a little bit to get going. Yeah. Provorov, after he had his shoulder issues that next season, he wasn't Provorov esque. Yeah. Luckily, high ankle sprains, they're just that. They're a yeah. sprain. Um, mm-hmm. you know, trust me, they hurt. And oh, you, they do. Yeah, they're, they're definitely not fun. But this, I think uh, you could easily see him back on the ice. And, again, it depends on the – I get high ankle sprain. Is the other problem. good – other thing, even if he does – for ankle sprain. If you say it's another 80 – I don't know how many games you're thinking for next season. It may, if it's the 82 games. They're talking missing, all 82 games. If it's just missing the beginning of the next season, it's not the biggest of deals because that team and is – I'm not going to lie. Enough. I don't even think that he would miss the uh, beginning of next year at no, all. No, I don't, I don't think he would either. But even if he were to – I'm saying worst-case scenario, I think Carolina could come – it wouldn't be the biggest of losses for them. No. At least if it was playoff time, Absolutely. But starting the season, I don't think that would be as as big of a loss. Right. Just because no, that agree. at least there you can try to get some points here and there. Uh, obviously, the end of the season matters more than the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Realistically, the beginning of the season, you're playing more teams out of your division and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. maybe that'll help Carolina's sake. As a Flyers fan, I hope not. Because yeah. uh, realistically speaking, in next year, um, if this playoffs is any different from what we saw, uh, these three teams, Carolina, maybe even the Islanders, uh, Washington and Philadelphia could be those top teams in the Metro. Yeah, you could definitely see change. Uh, but speaking about Washington for a split second, okay. we have officially the NHL 21 cover athlete is Alexander Ovechkin, the grade eight. This is his second time uh, being the uh, cover athlete, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. He looked a lot other- younger on the other one, but yeah. <laughs> He did. Uh, I can't remember. It was also the an year. old. It was also the old uh, capital jersey too. Yeah, it was uh, 2007, I believe. He was the uh, mm-hmm. cover athlete for. But um, here it is. Yeah, it was NHL 07. 
the old Caps jersey, and he looks yeah really young. young. But uh, no, no, it would be cool for Ovi to to be on there. Um, so that that's pretty cool. And uh, a buddy of mine and I were talking who who are have heavily played these games. Uh, we have such a great time. One of the so there's a couple um, features and endless breakdown. Actually, uh, there's a great uh, YouTube channel. Um, it is what real quick podcast uh, YouTube page. I yeah, know. exactly. It's a great, it's a you great YouTube page. You got it, man. Or the Mike and Mitch podcast YouTube page. <laughs> How'd you know, man? But no, it, it looks like it's Tuggy twenty four. Um, He's 17.3 thousand subscribers. Um, he posted a features list and first trailer breakdown on his page to check that out. And, um, but uh, my friend Adam and I, we were talking about the, um, you know, the features and everything. One of them is apparently you can choose to be uh, like a conservative seller or a seller, a conservative buyer or a regular buyer and it affects your trade uh, trade deadline and everything like that. And you have the ability to turn on better draft classes, which is pretty different. Uh, it sounds like it, I don't know how accurate that is, but it sounds like the deadline though, which is going to be my favorite part. sounds like the older NHL video games where they used to give you a phone in video games and you had certain amount of calls in a certain amount of time. Uh, I think it'll be something very similar to that. So that'll be different, but uh, take a look for, at that and, and check that out. That's expensive uh, for them. Why would they want to give away a phone? <laughs> I can see why they went away from that. Wow. Oh, jeez. Whatever, whatever, whatever. I've, but, been um, a, I've been up for a while, people. Noticed. <laughs> um, other league news, though, I will say this one was just an amount announced Actually, about two one, minutes ago. One, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Going back to yeah. the NHL. Yeah. I don't care how many new things to add to it new features or whatever mm-hmm. um i did like that they did it seems like in that trailer i hope you do can you can do this but the lacrosse style goal i think that is in it i someone um, the spin chicklets podcast uh twitter page did tweet out something about it about um people getting mad because it, it uh, about if someone pulls off the michigan against them mm-hmm. so right, but uh, that would be pretty cool but i just did he Dude, fix I would be doing the only that thing the I care about. Game. The only thing I care about is the gameplay. The gameplay. Yes. Did he fix that? Did he fix the dumb stuff that I hit about it? Did he fix people falling over too easily so you get a tripping call every two seconds because you try to poke check and then someone falls easily? Yeah. Or you go for a block well, and someone we'll, falls we'll over you and then you get a tripping penalty. Dude, that literally just happened to me the other day. I was playing my Seattle franchise, expansion franchise, and I went to dive to block a. A pass. The guy skated right into my gut. He did a front flip into my goalie. I got a two-minute trip in filming. October to you. That doesn't count. <laughs> I know. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Anyway, um, one quick last update, at least I have here. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings announced that they've signed Robbie Fabry to a two-year extension. Um, it's about a 2.9 mil, uh, 2.95 mil AV for Fabry. Uh, he has been excellent since coming over to Detroit, and uh, I really think that the uh, Red Wings um, got a pretty good steal in Fabry for, uh, for in exchange for uh, from the Blues. Uh, Steve Eiserman did a great job grabbing him over, bringing him to Detroit. And again, Fabry is one of those younger players. He's, he, it seems like he's been around forever, but he's not for a not great. Uh... 
Detroit team. He put up 31 points. Exactly. Yeah. No, so I, I think uh, 17 assists, again, that's the most amount of points he scored in quite some time. Cause again, he's had some pretty tough injuries. So unfortunately he's one of those players who's been, his career has been diminished a bit by a lot of injuries and yeah. unfortunately including some ACL the, uh, tears. The thing that I does believe. help him is he's our age. I'm actually older than him by a couple weeks, uh, by like a week wow. or so or a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what are we doing with our lives? This we're talking about them. <laughs> Same thing, right? Sure. Yeah, we're yeah. just as important. We're I under so. we're underachievers. So I don't know what you, I don't know what, what what more you want to want, Jeff. I, I think that's all all we uh, can do. Just keep underachieving. Yeah. So, um, already so. I think it's time to get into the playoffs. playoffs. We got the second round. It has officially started, um, bringing up some scores. So I'm actually going to go right into the stat head because you had uh, some scores from yesterday as round two, again, has officially begun looking at the stat head. Um, Boston has taken one. One nothing. I I just noticed right away. That the stat head has already made a mistake. It's one nothing and not one one, as it says on here. You sure? Well, you never know. It could get tied, so we'll see if stat head has predicted a one one series tie. We'll see, but uh, one nothing is the series for now. Boston leads. They won that game three to two. Brad Martian got a goal. David Postron, Charlie Coyle. I know. Uh, so really big three important pieces for the Bruins had all scored and chipped in, including including David Pofnock, who wow. missed a majority wow. hold on. of the first hold on. series. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The Bruins' first line scored? That's so weird. I know. That's so weird. They got no offense from everywhere else. That's so weird no. to me. Not at all. Uh, and the lone two goals from Tampa Bay were both scored by Victor Hedman. The second, this, actually, that uh, that's probably a good sign for Tampa Bay too. Yeah, uh, at least confidence by for Hedman. He's had a he played good enough for against uh, Columbus, but obviously he did. But you want to be careful with the injury he had yeah, against exactly. the Flyers. Exactly. So you so really want to try to. I think that's going to help him get a little more confidence going. Uh, maybe take a little will. more chances, especially in the mm. series. So get get your legs moving more. But yeah, no. So he's starting to move. Um, and the second game was uh, not so close. Five nothing no, blowout no. by the Vegas Golden Knights against the Vancouver Canucks. Jonathan Marshall, Raleigh Smith, Mark Stone, Alex Tucker, Max Pacioretty, all scoring a goal each for a one nothing series lead. Um, so almost all of their big guns scored last night. Pretty much, yeah, including the two uh, really the two biggest pieces, Mark Stone and Jonathan Marshall. I mean, they're they're all big pieces, including Riley Smith, who most people might not have as a big piece. But on that Vegas in the team, playoffs, he, he is in in the, in the playoffs. He 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 definitely steps up his game. The one I'm really missing from that list uh, from a big guns, um, uh, you know, mention is William Carlson. Of course, there was an interesting moment in that game last night. Uh, from what I heard, it was um, one of the Canucks players. I can't remember. Was his it name. Pierre I'll, saying he quit? No, but that would be nice. Um, it was I. I want to say he's Alex 
Edler, but I think it was someone else. Uh, oh, you know what? Maybe like Jay Beagle or Antoine Roussel or something like that. But one of them grabbed Ryan Reeves and kind of gave him a bear hug. Clearly, he was talking to him in his ear. He got a 10-minute game misconduct for it. So there's, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, tense moments in this series. Uh, yeah. Ryan, Ryan Reeves, he, he's going to be a big-time instigator, so don't be shocked if he gets in the uh, heads of the Canucks. So that's I mean, something to keep in mind. I mean, the guys you just mentioned are also that same way. Or so, Jay Beagle at times can be. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, that's Fortunately, because it's the second round, there's less games. Yeah. Um, you had those two games. You only have two on tonight, a 7 o'clock start. The Islanders against the Philadelphia Flyers, 7 o'clock start. Don't worry, that game will be boring. Yes. And the Dallas Stars against the Colorado Avalanche. Sorry, I have two, two of that rant. series. I, I have PM. two rants today. I've got two rants going on today. Well, one we're getting ready to get into in just a few minutes about yeah, two yeah, analysts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one, does it have to do with specific times of games? Maybe. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I have anyway for I the stat know. head. Uh, <laughs> the only other thing I will say, last but not least, um, some other stats on the day. We're going to get into some goalies here. Robert Leonard, he had a 26-save shutout. Uh, Halak had a made 35 saves out on 37 shots, a .946 save percentage in their 3-2 win. Although Vasilevsky led in three goals, he made 28 saves with .903 save percentage there. And, of course, uh, with the starting goaltender in Jacob Markstrom getting pulled, it was Thatcher Demko making his playoff debut, which actually leads me to another very quick point. Um Colorado will be without uh, Philip Grubauer. For out. He's out indefinitely with a injury. Also, Eric yeah. Johnson sounds like he's out indefinitely. Um, no Calvert tonight. Uh, Connaughton is to dress on defense. And the backup for Colorado is Michael Hutchinson. That means if Pavel. You correctly, Michael Hutchinson. Yes, Michael Hutchinson. And Pavel. Um, I can't remember how we pronounce his name. Francis. Francis. Yeah, Francis. But for now, we're going to keep going with Francis until we hear correctly on air. But Pavel Francis is going to be the starter now for the Colorado mm-hmm. Avalanche. Um, so there you for go. For the record, let's quickly do this, Jeff. Because um, for the record, we did make our predictions on the series before the series actually started. So yes. let's just get let's just get to the bottom of that first. Okay. So Jeff and I pretty much had the same thing uh, for all these except for one series. Um, but in the West, I've got Vegas and six. Um, well, and we can talk about why we did these more in a little bit. Um, I took Dallas and six, um, Tampa Bay and seven, and Philadelphia and six. I have Vegas in six Dallas in or sorry not Dallas wow uh you get in my head Whitmer um we have I've had uh, Colorado I want to say I said it in six you did Tampa Bay in seven and Flyers in six yeah that literally the only thing we have difference is that Dallas series and that's just yeah. two that seem one um, and Alex- I am killing it by the way in my bracket 
Um, I have in the East and West. All right, so, so I'll put this way. In the first round, um, looking at my NHL.com bracket, I correctly predicted the Flyers in six. I did say Islanders in six. They won in five. I got Tampa Bay, and I was nowhere near close with Carolina. So I got three out of the four, not only in the East, but three out of the four in the West. I had Vegas, Colorado, and Dallas. Vegas and Colorado, I got in five games correctly. Dallas, I said seven. It went six. Um, and, of course, Vancouver – um, took care of St. Louis or and the yeah, in six, yes. So, um, I kind of want to start yeah. with that Colorado Dallas series because that will transition yeah. me over to my rant. Um, on Colorado and why I don't, uh, my more uh, so my rant on Pierre. So, um, love it. So, yeah, because I'm sure you're wondering why I said Dallas in this series, Jeffrey. I know that's the biggest question on everyone's mind today. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because so it's I'm looking to, more I so a little be, shaky because Grubauer's out. Well, I wasn't very. I'll get to. Now you're not the biggest Grubauer fan, but it's well. I'm. Everyone seen or at least I guess before this seen that uh, to have Colorado really winning the whole thing, or at least going far. Yeah, um, and for some reason I'm just not that sold on Colorado. And and um, that's fair. They they still have a lot they, of young guys, and, and they they haven't really proven themselves yet. But and my thing for why it took, uh, why I think Dallas and mm. for it is that, um, obviously, these are two of the best, better lines, in the NHL facing each other: the Sagan line and the McKinnon line. The McKinnon line, I will admit, is the better line, but I think they'll be able to neutralize each other, not completely shut each other down, but neutralize, which then comes down to a depth kind of thing, which Colorado may have the better depth, but I don't know if there's much offensive kind of depth. I think the way Dallas won, especially near the end of that series, I think their Mm -hmm. offense is coming along a bit, um, a bit more than it was uh, prior. And also, I think because of that, and because Colorado was placing Arizona in the previous round, I thought they were going to be able to test, actually test out Rubauer more than the Coyotes had. Yeah. I wasn't sure, because nobody really has tested Grubauer that much, and I thought no. maybe Dallas could be that team that gets a little pesky kind of thing. But of course, now he's um, in charge. Yeah, but the Francois or whatever, whenever he's played, he's played up decent numbers. It's been- he has. So I actually have um, some stats here mm-hmm. uh, for the playoffs. He only played in one game. He has a .95 ACA percentage and 1.02 goals against average for Francois, Francois uh, who's now the uh, – the mm-hmm. starting goalie, of course. I'm not um, going to take too much into this because, again, it's in the um, during the season. But during the season, he put up a 241 goals against and a 923 save percentage. So it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's about average, but it's hey, about average. It is, yeah, it, it's I mean, pretty good though. For for again, it, I, I think Francis is, is a rookie reason, technically. Yeah, and not that I don't think Grubauer is a bad goalie. I just it's similar to my thing with uh, the Hurricanes, and uh, actually, Francis had a better year than uh, numbers wise than uh, Grubauer did. But Grubauer was also hurt at times. Um, but, it, and that I don't know how much I can really trust Grubauer. 
yes, when he was in Washington and there was Grubauer and Hopi, that really helped because at that point he was more of a backup kind of tandem kind of thing. Now, and uh, by himself, it's interesting. Also, his first playoffs, it, uh, I'm interested to see how. It's because no, I'd say Dallas, but realistically, could easily be Colorado taking the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but every game, and I assume Vegas is going to win over Vancouver. But again, you've got to assume play, that. But you I know, I'm know. assuming that. But yeah. every team they're facing, unless it's Vancouver, uh, Colorado's going to get a harder and harder matchup. And this matchup is harder than what they had to in the first yeah. round. No, for I'd sure. Because again, and it's I'd really, make the same argument it's for really Dallas too. Them. Dallas, it's not as pes- it's not the same peskiness as they had to go up against Calgary. Well, um, it, it, it's a little bit because in Calgary it was a pretty physical series, a lot of hitting, but also it was a very, there was no defense whatsoever. It was no, a very a high scoring game, and I don't expect much defense for this series no. either. Again, you have some star powers, but. Going to um, if you look at Colorado's you know, defenses, when you go a little farther down their defense, it's a little bit where I get a little. Well, again, tricky. the problem now Cam is McCarr, I will admit it's a good young defenseman. That's yes. good. Eric Johnson's pretty good. Ryan, uh, well, Johnson is now out. Um, yeah, you have Eric, Ryan yeah, Graves, Samuel Gerard, who are big pieces in my opinion to this Colorado blue line. It's Ian Cole and Nikita Zadorov that really are big, the biggest question marks to me. I don't Ian know Cole, much about Kevin Kahneman. Even Ian Cole I don't think has been a good defenseman since he was in uh, Pittsburgh. So I, I don't I think so. I don't think so he's it, that it great of a defenseman. It blows my mind that Colorado endless for whatever reason I don't really want to throw because I know Bowen Byram is technically on this roster. I don't want to throw him in because again I don't know how well he would be able to do in this Ohio State's in the second round of the playoffs. And the series already down. You can throw Mark Alton there. Uh, the good news is so for oh, see, this is the problem I have with Joe Sackick right now. Ian Cole, he's thirty-one. He's costing them four point two five mil a year. Yeah, his contract expires at the end of next year. Sidorov, who's an RFA, he costs you 3.2 mil right now. You can easily get 7.4, nearly 7.5 mil if you get rid of both Cole and Zadorov. Uh, you're, obviously, you're going to have to wait an extra year for Cole. You have Mark Barbero uh, and Kevin Connaughton, um, uh, about 2.78 mil right there combined. Yeah. Those and guys again, are we'll come, base. Obviously, we'll come back to this more when we. I yeah, break down but again, advantage. there are better options for Colorado on defense. They need yeah. to utilize that. I, I mean, really Joe expect Sackick, Bowen Byron in yeah. the lineup next year. But again, Joe Sackick, absolutely, because the now. thing that helped from what the problem with Colorado last year, this year is they didn't really have the depth. It was really just no. that top line. And, and he really won out and acquired depth. Um, you know, there was Andre Burkowski. He signed got uh, Jonas Donskoy. Nazem Kadri traded for. I will admit right away when I saw the it was um, they lost depth in on defense because they lost Tyson Berry and they also got rid of um, Alexander Kerfoot. And I thought that was a huge trade for. Uh, Colorado to get rid of two key guys, in mm-hmm. my opinion, in their lineup for Nazem Kadri. Speaking, really, if Bear, or what's his face? Yeah, if Barry is going to end up coming back to, Toronto, I, I don't he think he never will. really. He never. Out there. Well, him, him, and uh, Babcock never clicked. It was him and Sheldon Keefe 
that mm-hmm. was pretty key that really helped turn the season around, even though he didn't do great. Um, if he re-signed him for some reason, I think it'll only be for a year, uh, two at max. But I don't, don't have a lot much of. From they him. don't have a lot of money to really. And work that's with, the other so. thing; they don't have much money. So, but going back to Colorado, that when they acquired Nazem Kadri, <laughs> I really didn't like this trade for Colorado. I thought they gave up way too much for Kadri because really, I don't have much value in Kadri at all. Yeah, he gives you depth. He gives you a little bit of speed, some offense here he and there. Also, but really, could the at biggest some problem point, is. Do a really bad hit, and then your series yes. is over. Because I generally believe that yes. hit he had last year against Boston was that changed the outcome of the series. Yeah, it really was. And and again, and that's why I was not thrilled with Colorado's choice of acquiring Codger. I really thought that was he, a ridiculous he showed move. Up, he showed up so far in the playoffs, which, which is great has for them. Been mind blowing to me that again, this is the Nas and Kadri that Toronto fans had been waiting for in the playoffs. They never got him because he would always agitate opponents. He always was in the agitating role. Again, that Ryan Reeves, Tom Wilson role where, oh, he they take stupid penalties. They have bad moments. They you know have some goals here and there, but they never quite hit their stride in what they're supposed to be. We know what we're getting, Tom Wilson and Ryan Reeves. They're just goons out there on the ice, getting stupid penalties, trying to agitate the other players. Nazem Kadri, on the other hand, he agitates you. But with Colorado, he seems to understand what his role actually is supposed to be like, unlike what it was in Toronto. He's putting up goals. He's putting up assists. Not only that, he's effective in the playoffs. He was killing the Arizona Coyotes in round one. It was incredible to see, and he really turned around. Oh, a lot of people. Coyotes gave yeah. up too. They ha- you have to put that out there too. They gave up. No, that I agree. But still, the fact that Nazem Kadri has really turned his game around for the Avalanche is key for them, key for him, and he hasn't really made any dumb plays that I've seen personally. But he's on the There's second line of Don Spoy and Burkowski. I, I know. Games. I'm waiting for it, though. But oh, just Tyson, wait. Jer- yeah. uh, the one thing that Jamie Benn is pretty good at is getting under the skin of someone. Oh, if yeah. If he gets under the skin oh, of Kadri, yeah. you know it's he's going to be do a bloodbath. And I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm counting but on it. Because, again, Jamie is- Benn, the, the way I like to describe Jamie Benn, and, again, he's a game changer. The way I, I love to describe him, he's the modern-day Eric Lundjars. He can fight. He can hit. Mm-hmm. He can pass. He can deke. He can score. He he's can throw leader. big hits. He's a leader. He's a captain. He leads by example on and off that's the ice. One thing. That's another reason why. And Jamie that's- Benn is a game-changing player that wins games and, more importantly, playoff series. So that's a huge reason why I have Dallas staying in this fight. And it's going to go six or seven. It's not a oh, yeah, for the is. Colorado Avalanche. This is one of the series I've been dying to see, just to see how these two almost quote-unquote powerhouse a, teams with powerhouse much players a rematch match of, against each other. It's pretty much a rematch of last year. Because didn't they face each other last year? They did not. No, I thought they did. Dallas no, faced St. Louis in the second That's round. Right. That's um, right. I forget who they faced in the first round, but Dallas faced uh, St. Louis in the second round. Never mind. Colorado faced Scratch the that. Flames in the first round, and they faced the Sharks in the second round. Oh, this is my other thing, too, because I wasn't sure what Ben Bishop's thing is and why he's not starting. But It looks like if, a groin in – or sorry, not Bishop. I'm thinking of someone else. But for, it was a group hour for, I was thinking of. Yeah, but for Kudob, when I was originally looking at the series and I looked at goalies, I'm like, Kudobin and at the moment, Grubauer to me, because I haven't really seen much from Grubauer for me to really 
uh, prove one thing or another. I felt they're both around the same caliber of netminder. But if yeah. Dallas had Ben Bishop in that, then it's they have the edge somewhere, and that's in that. Um, yeah. And also, you have to another thing that Colorado has to keep an eye on is Mira Heiskanen. Mira Heiskanen always yes. he's going to be an he, he's a game changer. Yeah, he is. Um, and this too, a huge thing that I think is kind of not really unrealistic because you understand why they got him. But Corey Perry, who obviously isn't the same Corey Perry, but he is the same Corey Perry that, like uh, Jamie Ben, he will attend, at some point probably get under Kadri's skin. And Joe Pavelski, those are both guys with playoff experience. I know yep. they're in their and mid to late 30s. in the first round. Yes, it did. Uh, Pavelski had a hat trick. He did. He he's 36, but he show, yeah, he shows he still has some uh, stuff left in the tank. Same with Perry. You know, in their seasons, they weren't playing great, but this is why they brought him in. And so far, they seem to be working, and I, that's my slight edge. Also, this, I interrupt this, our talk of playoffs, to bring you a rant on Pierre. Because Pierre was talking, I don't know if you watched the end of that game against uh, Arizona. Uh, Unfortunately, not. I oh, can't good, even good. That actually makes it even better because he didn't hear it. Um, <laughs> oh no! So at the end of I have the this is a slight reason, and there might be someone who makes the argument that maybe this is why I took Dallas, but Pierre was was really going off, you know, kind of sucking the duck of Colorado. So for Pierre spite, Pierre. for spite, there's a little spite for me going with Dallas just to piss off Pierre. Nice. And he ran, just like, to piss off Pierre. Because they were, because that was the one game where Kadri was doing had like two goals or something like that, and mm. he just mentions, "Oh, do you think uh, Car- uh, Toronto is uh, regretting this trade now?" And then he randomly just mentions advanced stats should not be a thing for like uh, you should not have advanced stats be for your team or how use advanced stats to help your team or whatever. Or something along those lines that was so random and, and irrelevant. Irrelevant and an absolute shot at uh, Toronto, and also Toronto doesn't need any more offensive power. Kadri, no. I think, was probably going to leave at some point, anyways, because they don't need any more offensive power. They're one of the best but, offensive teams without him. Their problem is their defense, and uh, yeah, and I get there's a lot of people that are adv- don't really like advanced stats and everything, but I think they actually help some areas. Like, I think that for me, at least it helps me better understand yeah. uh, better, def- uh, def- better defender defensive players and better two way players. Because right, before... so to, to put it in perspective, by the way, though, so Kadri spent 10, technically nine years, his one for his first year, he only played a game with Toronto, spent nine years, full years, really with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he, you know, at best, his best season was where he put 61 points in 82 games. In the playoffs, uh, mind you, again, there's a big difference. In the playoffs, his best, you know, he uh, put up, um, he's already, he his best season was four points in 2012-13. He already has 12 points with Colorado this playoffs. Yeah, I think he might be leading in points. He probably is. Here's the thing, though. Ready? Here's the big key factor. Guess how many penalty minutes he's had over the years in the four playoff a lot years in Toronto. A lot. Guess, a lot. yeah, 
he's had uh, 56 penalty minutes in those four playoff rooms. Almost uh, a whole game experience. worth of penalties. Yeah, in four years. His, the amount of penalties he has this year is one with two penalty minutes. He's yeah, had you don't think I, 10 penalty minutes, 8 penalty minutes, 19 penalty minutes, 19 penalty minutes in a combined 19. He has like 56 penalty minutes in 19 career playoff games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Two think, penalty minutes in like nine so far with the Avalanche. You know what every other team right now that they're going to have the face is looking at? They're looking at old tape, whether it's this season or not. The things that get under Kadri's skin – and Dallas is going to go, hey, Corey Perry, hey, Jamie Ben, try getting under this guy's skin some a little yeah. bit, and then he's going to do something stupid. But again, th- going back to your but the, little my rant there thing, on Pierre. Because he was talking shit on like advanced stats, and for me, I know uh, there's people with the old school kind of metric, but the real thing is, even though Toronto is obviously the team using advanced stats the most, but more than likely than not, Almost every team, except for maybe like one or two, right? The one the Flyers are playing tonight and the Islanders definitely don't, but they use some sort of advanced metric, advanced stats to right. do something. And they improve some or uh, to do that. Why do you think, after in like the last seven or eight years, that bottom six, the fourth liners, have changed? Because before, what the fourth line was supposed to be was kind of your goon line, your checking line. Now there's a little bit of that still, but it's changed. And there's it's more, more so speed and depth. Yes, more speed and more guys that can help you get to the forechecking. Not only that, but just put, and puck because of play that, against and puck battles against the yeah, boards. Because before, and that's why, and I hate plus minuses. He For some reason, he, Pierre really loves plus minuses. Plus minuses. I, it really pisses me off. I hate it. It is. Because I mean, I I get the idea it, of it, but it's such a useless stat. I get it. It tells you, oh, which players are good and bad offensively and defensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, My case in point for this is always Sam Gagne. Sam Gagne yes. when he was on the Oilers. That was when the yeah. pre-McDavid Oilers, when they were bad, bad. When they kept getting those first round pick, first overall picks, mm-hmm. he hadn't, he didn't have any choice. His team was terrible. So yeah, his plus minuses weren't going to be great. And because he was a first overall pick, that whole thing. Was, he oh, was not a first overall pick. He was a first, first round first, pick. First round pick, sorry. Um, I know he was either first round or first overall, either way. Yeah. But I know there was a whole thing of, well, you don't want that guy to be deep, deep in your uh, uh, depth of your lines because, you know, he still has some offensive talent here. And also, if you're a team that isn't great on the, on the shootout and you want someone mm-hmm. who is, he still has great hands. I know everyone's, especially only because, really, because of, uh, the Olympics in Sochi, and everyone thinks of Oshi, but Sam Gagne is pretty damn good at uh, yeah, he has good hands. But because Dude, his, he, he has incredible hands, it, and the team I will always commend Washington. for a changing kind of at least the team that I noticed change it more was a couple years ago when he was on Columbus and he was on their fourth line, and that yeah. was the first time I really noticed someone went different for what that fourth line was. It wasn't yeah. slow anchors, rocks, kind of guys. It was that were actually down your, guys uh, who probably could have been on the third line. Exactly. And because of that, that's where it's, people are going. Depth, that, obviously depth helps, but depth this much helps even more. Because yeah. you're getting, it's, it helps when you have depth, but it also helps when you get depth and some scoring in there too. 
for the Flyers, Absolutely. that's helped when the top guys haven't gone. The, yeah, the no, that's literally how they got through this series against Montreal. You think at any other time in JVR's career, people want to said, put him on the third line? No, he's not a third line player. Even Simmons before he left. But that's just kind of how the league has evolved. Advanced stats, even though baseball overuses them a lot, but they actually, I think, to me, have helped. Um, yeah. And I think the one place that I think does it the best in simplifying it for people who don't really understand all of advanced stats or anything, uh, at least for flyers-wise, is brushery hockey. Because they do mention it a good amount, uh, advanced stats and everything. Uh, Charlie O'Connor is another one, but they also simplify it enough for people to understand what these mean and everything. And obviously, the people are going to have their own thinking on this. And this is really why, this is really what got me going up here today in my mind. Because he also said in that game at the end that uh, McKinnon was the best player in hockey. And to me, if you think that, you're a liar, you're dumb. You're just dumb. Don't, don't say dumb shit, okay? Don't pull, a, uh, don't pull a Milbury and say dumb shit, okay? It, he might be at the moment, he may have just passed Crosby for the second best player, but there's and one. He's, he's easily in the top five, but no, he's not. Here's, and you want to know he's why? He's not the best player. And this is why. But yeah, he might be playing at the moment. He might be doing a little better than McDavid, but look at his line. He's with Landis Gagarantanen. What is McKen- that's what is as, McDavid? That's almost has? as good as it's going to get. He basically has dry shadow, and that's it. And they separate. They he's they don't really play on the same line as much. Yeah. And he's got nothing, which actually shows you how good McDavid is, yeah. because he he doesn't he, technically need dry shadow on his line. And I'm not saying that. Um, McKinnon needs Linus Gog and or no, Rantanen. But that helps. It obviously it helps. And but again, McKinnon he's more weapons to his ability to exactly. use on that top. Why do you line. think McKinnon, the why do you think sorry, the Oilers uh, power play is so potent? Because they put all their good players on there. Yeah. But again, you can't really do uh, that. You, you have, can't put you can't put McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and a dry soda on one line. It's not gonna work. They're all centers. You may at times uh, but yeah, for, again McDavid. Uh, McDavid only fucked, has dry McDavid's been really fucked too. over since going over to Edmonton. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Connor. I'm sorry. And Leon. Leon's probably going to win the uh, heart this year. He and, should win the heart. Again, have, I, 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 have, my, my preseason prediction was McKinnon, but I, I, it's got to be dry I mean, that's always don't a good, put up that's like good 120 some points. I'm not and saying he's not bad. win. I'm saying he might be best, but I think there's a big drop off from McDavid from the next guys because when he can do it by himself, and when he actually put maybe, say Taylor Hall if he's willing to go back to Edmonton so he can play mm-hmm. with Leon Drysaddle or Connor McDavid, watch out if that yeah. were to happen. I don't think it will happen. You it never won't happen, happen. I don't but even I'm just know saying. where Hall. Right, it could happen, but anyway. Though, so to your point, though, anyway, Mike, I really sorry. don't think I, that. No, 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 and, and I'm agreeing with you. I went on a rant. Sorry, I see that. And uh, no, McDavid is clearly still the best player in today's game. I I don't know where I would put Nathan McKinnon. He's up there I in my top put, five. I, I wouldn't mind putting him second. I don't. I don't think that's a I, I huge would, I would put him probably. I think at the moment in the he, top three. I and the only reason why I said this because right now in his career, I think he's better than Crosby. It's very tough to it's say. It's tough to say. Crosby, but I, Crosby, although he's getting up there in age, he's only 33. But again, it's all the injuries that are killing Sidney Crosby right now with all this stuff going on with him still. Um, 
I don't. And another player that I think doesn't get enough yeah. attention because he's not McDavid. But once Jack Eichel gets anyone to help him, again, yeah. watch out. Remember, he won yeah. a huge point streak this year. He always he does well. And then his games. team, his team just completely shits the bed. And then they're terrible. Yeah. So and if obviously if, 20, um, that 2015 draft also helped this development of the game and everything, at least teams, because a lot more teams got more top end talent from yeah. that draft. But I think that also advanced stats have played a little bit of that as well. They have, um, but again, there's a lot of but my lesson of the day, Jeff. You ready for this? You ready, I am ready. You ready? Uh, don't say dumb shit. Okay. Just and if you don't want the curse in there, don't say dumb stuff. All right. It, it's there. You go. Don't be Pierre. Don't be Mike Melberry. Don't say dumb I, I, stuff. I, I also have Go one. Don't be, don't be an a-hole, man. Just, yeah, just, yeah, just don't be an asshole. Yeah. It, Speaking of which, it's time to talk about Mike Melberry. Yeah, because this dumbass did this pretty much the same thing as Pierre, but didn't, trust, didn't attack it as a team, but he attacked it as a gender. So um, it was... And he could have easily... The game between he, the Islanders and the Capitals... And yeah. basically what happened was, and we have the exact comments here. So um, Brian I'll Boucher t- I'll said, tell you my favorite, my favorite moment in this, when this happens. I'll say it when this whole thing, uh, when you go through the yeah. whole thing. So Brian Boucher, um, you know, he, he was saying about, he's speaking about the advantages of the NHL's playoff bubble, you know, amid the coronavirus and everything. He said, if you think about it, it's a terrific environment with regard to if you enjoy playing and enjoy being your teammates for long periods of time it's a perfect place and you know and, and, and he makes a great point it really is a perfect place you know they're getting to play so much hockey they get to see their teammates even if they get to see te- uh, you know uh, old teammates or just players in general they mesh and get along with very well you know they get to hang out they get to see yeah. them but then of course mike milberry says not even anyone uh, woman or women here to disrupt your concentration really milberry Really, you gotta go on and say that. Obviously, a number of it was fans not a, and I will say this. It wasn't a great weekend slash week for com- for people in the press, sports wise, because no, Tom Brennan had the same th- same roller thing. And it's just the thing is like <sighs> there's there's no really reason to say that. He literally there's no room no for reason. It. And my favorite part of it is that Boosh, as professional as he is, he just ignored it. He just kept going. Yeah. He just didn't care. And again. That's why I give Brian Boucher so much credit because, again, it's very hard as a commentator when someone says co- something controversial says like that. or something ridiculous and dumb, you got to do, uh, especially either as an analyst or a play-by-play or something, you got to do something to change the direction of the tone and whatnot. And you got to change the broadcast because your commentator just makes an, an idiotic comment like that. Mm-hmm. You got to do something to get listeners to again there's no you know everyone hears it everyone has you know phones they can record it you know tv dv or whatnot you can record it yeah, but again it's you know, so anyway it wasn't even uh, like it, it was off air he literally no, said when they're on it he says it right it's just it, you don't say that so anyway so from um and this is my favorite tweet probably nbc sports pr tweeted this out right away this got me laughing from mike milberry not from yeah. Mike Bilberry. I, I I love it, guys. I love the I love the tweet. It's from Mike Milberry. Good one, NBC Sports. I love the PR. 
So in light of the attention caused by my recent remark, I've decided to step away from my role at NBC Sports for the remainder of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I did not want my presence to interfere with the athletes as they try to win the greatest trophy in sports. Good one. So here's my thing. I think it's going to be and, exactly like the JR situation. Like well, a year and that's, or so ago, that's, whenever that happened. On. So Sorry. that's exactly – that didn't happen a year ago. Forget, that happened. That's why I said – I forget when that happened. That's Gotcha. But anyway, so here's my personal opinion. And, again, I – a little bit of disclaimer. I'm not trying to put this the wrong way. If it comes off as the wrong way, you know, it's not my intention. So here's what I have to say. How is Mike Milbury – able to get away with so many ugly and disgusting comments and yet Jeremy Roenick said one thing to get fired almost immediately. Again, I'm not defending what JR said at all. I think he deserved to get fired. It's an awful thing to say and I know he was the sexual comments he made towards his co-host in Catherine Tappan. It's you know way out of line and nowhere near appropriate and again, he's Far, he, he absolutely 1000% deserved to get fired. He should have, you know, not made the comments or anything. He made the comments that happened. NBC acted right away. But the fact that Mike Milbury has made comments, several comments over the past several months, NBCSN, if they really care, NBC Sports in general, if they really care about the analysts and how they, you know, um, you know, basically how they present themselves on air and their comments. He should have been fired months ago, if not at but least a also, year or two ago. He's made several remarks that would have caused anyone to get fired on the spot. Both Milbury and JR deserve to have gotten fired on the spot. Again, JR basically did. Milbury, he technically isn't even, he hasn't even technically been quote unquote fired. He has left the bubble. He's not going to appear on the on the on NBC SN anymore or their telecast for the remainder of the playoffs. But it doesn't matter who says he's it. not. He's not going to be able. My to point back. is, the moment both those comments have been made, they should have been fired on the spot. I again, Bronk basically was good for the NBC SN. I'm glad they did. But for Mike Milbury, how come again? It's is it, it's okay for Jr. to say a some sexual sexual remarks towards his co-host. And gets fired immediately, but Milbury, he says a lot of dumb crap over the years and everything yes. in the last several months specifically. And this is the final straw. Finally, there's no room in the game for any of these comments at all. So NBCSN, they needed to act sooner. But again, the thing is, this isn't the first time that you know he's made ridiculous comments. And he also if for Correct me if I'm wrong, but no. a couple of years ago, didn't he have like a DUI situation too, where he was suspended for a bit? It wasn't. I don't believe a DUI situation. It was. Um, there was something. What, there was something. No, else what that it was, it was the. Um, but it I, was something about I, the. I think what I, I also correct me if I'm wrong here for the Jr. situation. I thought he was suspended first, and then they fired him. I think you're right. Because I think that's what they're going to do with Milbury too. He's going to be suspended, and then he's just going to get fired. Because which you're not going to be able. Because so. if you want women to watch your hockey, and obviously you will, and you want to, and that, and obviously they want to watch hockey too. Yeah. So anytime he's going to be yeah. on there, it's going to be a backlash. So he is probably going to be yeah. done. What I think you're thinking of, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was back in 
I thought this is much sooner, but this is all the way back in 2011. Millberry was charged with assault and battery on a child after an incident at a peewee hockey game. So again, that happened nearly nine years ago. I don't know if that's an incident you're know. talking about. That's um, I probably heard it wrong. I don't know. Maybe think of Al Michaels. But, but again, Al Michaels did um, too, but people like him, so he's not going to get fired. Yeah. But again, he he's had he's but had I will multiple. Say this too. Yeah. I, Mike Millberry isn't even good at his job. No, he's not. Other is Pierre. At least NBC finally thing. came to their senses. But okay, it just screw over the West with Pierre. Yeah, no, right. I feel bad for the West, but again, but if, like, if it's very frustrating to watch as a hockey fan, and I don't think there's anyone that are, really likes Melbourne anyways. No, because again, the guy comes off as a prick. The guys, but that was the same with Jay, Jeremy Roenick was the same way. I don't think he, 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 was, he was okay. More so, he was okay. He was, all at, right. he was very arrogant, but again, I, I understand that some telecasts and some yeah, channels, he, they like to have that person that kind of pries people but and says, you know, not make controversial comments, but, you know, they ask, you know, the, the, in a way, the right questions that kind of gets people thinking, oh, right. like, well, how come, you know, you're making yeah. these comments here? And See, it's like, well, here's my, you know, it's someone that creates a good debate. Yeah. Jared did that. He, he was entertaining or anything. Yeah. I thought he was, but okay. for, for the most part, I always thought again, he was okay at like analyzing, but I hated that he, always, I, to me, he always seemed, he kind of came off to me as an asshole a bit. And uh, also again, that he again, just tried to be funny. And then he just tried to be funny the most time and he's like, stop, just, just stop. Right. Uh, again, he has that big personality, just like Mike Milbury, where they Mike try to do yeah. too much and they cross the line completely. JR, not so much. The only time he really crossed the line was, of was course, that? his comments yeah, that, where his yeah. captain's happened. Most, most of his jokes Mike were like almost jokes always kind of crosses the line at yeah. some point during the broadcast. Almost always. Also, Again, this too. More recent wasn't... time, the most recent time was when Jake Muzzin for the Toronto Maple Leafs got hurt. They yep. brought a stretcher. He said, oh, well, let's see how long he stays down for. You know, he could be trying to buy his team some time. Who says that? The guy's clearly injured. He's clearly getting taken off by a stretcher. Why are you going out of your way to make a ridiculous, just absurd comment like that right there? That should be a comment that gets him off the air. But no, NBCSN, they continue to basically support this guy. They did tweet out, and I think the NHL did tweet out um, a comment as well regarding the Millbury incident, the latest one, I should say. And again, he's off the air for now. Keyword for now, but um, it's going to be. I think it's will be permanent because I like and, and, and everyone else at I like everyone else on NBC uh, NBCSN. I like everyone else that they have. Like even when they brought Corey Schneider in, I know he's not playing, but I could easily see him coming in there too. They got good people. Yeah, I think uh, Anson Carter could easily take that role. Um, and obviously, the reason why, obviously, Millbury was probably not their first choice because. The one thing he's worse at analyzing is doing color commentary because he leaves at least a good five minutes of dead air and just doesn't say anything. He does. And then he'll say some dumb shit, and then if the Bruins are playing, just suck the dicks of the Bruins. Oh, the Penguins, if they're playing well. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying – because especially on the national level, you're trying to be as unbiased as possible if you're like – Edzo or Keith Jones, who at times will do like Flyers games or Blackhawks games, try to be a little more biased when you're in the national level. And those two, I think, do a better job of it than uh, uh, Pierre and even 
uh, Millbury do. So, and obviously the yeah. thing that really sucks was that obviously because it's the bubble and the times we're in. Edzo with his most recent, you know, that going through cancer and everything, he's probably not going to be very willing to actually go to the bubble. No, but Doc's again, it's going to be a similar Doc, thing where Doc is. Yeah, Doc's train. also. Yeah, Doc's also one of those. He's up there in age, and he's also, I think, has some health issues too. So, I understand yeah. why they didn't want to go there, but now Edzo is doing it because the Blackhawks are out, so now he can actually do these, actually yeah. do these uh, games. Right, exactly. I love John um, Forsland too. I think he does a good job. Oh, he does an excellent job, and uh, he doesn't get enough credit. And also, one thing that kind of disappoints me a lot as a listener, Gordon Miller is not calling any more of these playoff games, which highly disappoints. No, he he was doing the Islanders and Capitals. He was, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying no, no. Uh, after that one, there oh, was yeah, no, yeah. it oh. was no more games after. It. So moving on round two and further. Don't worry. No, 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 no. He's going to be doing the Flyers Islanders game, games. Don't you worry. Those three o'clock game, that noon game. I bet he doesn't. Really? No, well, no. So. Uh, well, no, no. He even tweeted out saying that he was done. Oh, he was. Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought he was. Yeah. So there. So I guess not. No. Right. I, again, I Switch wish Gordon Miller is a phenomenal broadcaster. Mm-hmm. He's easily my top five favorite broadcasters to listen to. Same with Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico does a superb job. I really, really. I know hope he's he pretty. More games next year with NHL. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I, I, I'm sure that Doc Emmerich, uh, um, you know, is slowly but surely going to be done yeah, broadcasting some John major for, events I, like the Winter Classic. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Yeah. I think it would be John Forsland that would take Doc's spot, and then oh, it would I'm, be. I'm not saying. I'm oh, not I'm just saying, saying Mike Tirico taking his spot. I'm no, saying no, no. for some events Got like it. the Winter Classic, okay. I think Mike oh, Tirico would be yeah, phenomenal for that. Uh, but he's John. He's, he's yeah, John Forsland does a great job, though. He's there for when Al Michaels eventually retires, so he can do football for them. That's what Mark right. T- Mike again, Tirico's going. Mike Tirico does an all-around phenomenal he job. Does. I, yeah. I, I caught him a couple uh, of times okay. when he did a game. He did a game with Keith Jones. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, that, that was a good one. But he did a game last year, and that was the first time I ever heard him broadcast hockey. I didn't even know he broadcasted hockey, and I thoroughly enjoyed every second he broadcasted the game. I, I listened to that game the whole you know time. What, I just, Jeff, just for him. yeah. Let's go back. To, we, we were on a very long tangent. Oh, let's know. go back to I playoffs. Know. Let's just it's go back to playoffs. It's a random tangent, now back to the playoffs. Yeah, it, it, we've just been too long. Um, I know it, it, but, it happens. Yeah, sorry. Uh, all right, so I think all that we have left really is the Flyers Islanders preview. Yep. Which, by the way, we do have some breaking news. It sounds like Nicholas Aubie Kubel is in the lineup for Game One. So that could be huge for the Flyers. It could be in their fourth line again. It sounds like it. Uh, that is the case. It was. Um, let me see here. Sorry, I forget the name. It was Russ Joy uh, who tweeted out, from what he's hearing, Knack will be back in line for game one against the Islanders. So that is huge news if that is true. Um, I'm hoping that's the case because, again, that would be a huge uh, momentum changer for the Flyers. Again, get some yeah. a fresh body in the lineup, get some fresh legs. Also, Something to well, keep in mind. You don't know how well he's going to be able to push off his foot either. Right. So that's you never only, know. That's we'll, only, we'll see how he that's looks. That's the only potential of 
they could limit no. his time. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised, but I, I, hey, I have confidence in Nack. Uh, I think he'll be just fine if also he that plays. AV, if you haven't paid attention already, uh, he's going to use all four lines as much as possible. He's, oh, he yeah. very rarely shortens his bench. Even that for I those agree. games where the Flyers were either getting outplayed or destroyed, he still went with everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, here's Again, a, uh, a very cool we stat. Like, Love Nate Thompson in the last couple yes. of games. Here's also a very cool stat here, Mike. If so, Carter Hart, he currently has six playoff wins. If he wins two more games, he moves into the top ten in Flyers playoff history for most wins. Again, he's only two away from moving within the top ten, and he is That's twenty-two. Crazy. That is crazy. He's only if, played eight games total. Let's just say if the Flyers were to take the series, then he's already what? Yeah, if he, um, he would be he'd be right tied for tenth. Sorry, he he'd be tied with ten playoff wins, with eighth place for Wayne, with Wayne Stevenson. He would be one game behind Marty Biron and Pete Peters for eleven that's, wins. That's amazing. And that's, that's some good company. Oh, uh, so he's young. So if the Flyers continue to do this. Oh, then. yeah. And that's one thing I should, before we get to the Flyers, that's one thing I did want to mention because I did want to kind of brush on Bennington's struggle. And I had a thought and I wanted to, wanted to know your kind of sure. uh, thinking on that. Um, I think the thing that helped, that helped Bennington last year and what's kind of helping uh, Carter Hart now. Um, and I thought may, maybe if Demko was playing for uh, uh uh, Vancouver. Vancouver, or even um, this, even though he's 30, he's still pretty much an unknown for the NHL. Francis. Yeah, Francis. That because of that, and because it's so uh, late, it takes teams a little longer to figure out what this guy's yeah. weakness is, especially in the playoffs. So, no, absolutely. Because ha- they probably don't have that much tape to go off of on Francis. So, they may have some struggles right. trying to find a hole. Um, and I think that's what it was for Bennington. Because for no, I agree. Because for Bennington, it was he always did. He was so good last year. He had moments of shakiness, but this year is completely different, um, kind of thing. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but no, I. I, and I think. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting distracted here. Really. <laughs> Um, no, sorry about that. So, but no, uh, joining Bennington, he... And then this year, I think teams kind of figured out potential way. They did, uh, again. And I will it's... also, I'm not going to, I think he didn't play great, but I'm also going to throw this out there. He didn't it's play an, great, it's he didn't play excuse. terrible. That's an excuse, but I think the fact that it was such a long layoff, maybe that may have taken a little longer for him to get his things going, because it's kind of like the beginning of the season again. Yeah, and again, to to be fair, again, it was a huge layoff for a lot of guys, and we even predicted that a lot of goaltenders were going to struggle. Um, again, I'm not surprised Jordan Bennington struggled. I really thought, mm-hmm. again, he's – and again, this is why I'm excited for next year. And that's him. where – It's one- really great. So I always predict um, that – Usually, depending if you're a coach, GM, or player, it doesn't matter who you are. It takes three years to really show what kind of person, player, role that they play. The first year, if they again look at Jordan Benting, perfect example. 
First year, he had a phenomenal rookie year. He won them the Stanley Cup. Second year, he struggled. You can argue the sophomore slump. You know, again, it's that rookie year. It's like, okay, he had a great rookie year. Let's prove why he's such a good goalie. He didn't, you know, he struggled in his second year. That happens, sophomore slump. Now, if he had a bad rookie year, but he goes great in sophomore year, he goes, okay, you know, he struggled. Let's prove him wrong and show why I'm a good goalie. Right. Oh, look at that, a great sophomore year. This third year is so key for Bennington. It's going to be, okay, first year was great. Second year, yeah. not great, not yeah. horrible, but not great. It was all right. Third year, let's see what the kids got. You know, he did a phenomenal job of his rookie year, obviously won the cup. Second year, he struggled here and there, not so good in the playoffs. What can he bring this third year? And that's, that's a really question. the key And that's for me. where you hope for Bennington's sake and even Hart's sake once – teams and everything can figure out a way to where you, your weakness is to try to uh, exploit that's where you hope as a goalie and as a goalie coach when you see teams doing this that they practice yeah. it and try to develop more. and, and yeah. the biggest thing for me here mike is that and that's carter the Islanders, hart, they, they've seen carter hart play they probably faced him a few times in the regular season but my biggest thing is that was the regular season i'm not he's yeah. worked on his game tremendously since they last played him Exactly. He's worked on so much. Not only that, but he played every single game, except obviously like when he got pulled yeah. in game two. Right. Or, yeah, game two, um, he got pulled for right. for a mm-hmm. bit. And, again, he played against the Montreal Canadiens. He played very similar style and mentality like the New York Islanders do. So, Carter Hart, he's going to be prepared. Right. He is going – I they think he's have... going to be right. perfectly fine. They'll clog up the neutral zone and be annoying there, but they're not going to be as, I don't think, as pesky as the Canadians were. And this is also a bigger test for the Islanders, too, because this is the probably the best team they were, better than the teams that they've had to play so far. I think the Flyers, I think, to me at least, I think the Flyers are a better team than the Capitals are. Uh, I think they're well put, yeah. better put together. And I think they, they have more depth also and they one yeah. bigger difference too. Last series they played Curry Price. Curry Price is a good goalie. He is, he's, he's not he's, what he used no, to be. No, he's, he's a, a great goalie. Yes, yes. He now, is his own category. Yeah. Simon Varlamov, he's not, good. Good. He's nowhere near as good as no. Curry Price. His system, Curry Price, he's in his own elite ha- category. The system the the system trust brings to the Islanders helps the whoever's in net. Yes. Um, and for Varlamov, he played okay to good in Colorado, but he this is seems to be where he's going to take off. And so Varlamov some type of offensive going, especially from the top guys, which I think yeah. you're going to start seeing because you saw guys like Hayes. Even though TK don't still don't think he's gotten the credit for that uh, first goal. Uh, he should have, but he didn't. He, if he still goes on the mindset that he did, maybe that can still help him. I think so. Um, I will say this. So one of the things that I did was uh, because a friend asked me who's been getting to hockey more. Oh, he he wanted me to rank the best of the best goalies from worst. Well, technically worst to best, but really I just did, did best to worst. Uh, there's stats for the, I just did for the playoffs that remain here in the second round. In Eastern Conference, you have Boston, New York, Islanders. That is the Philadelphia Flyers, of course, Tampa Bay Lightning, the West Colorado, Dallas, Vegas, and Vancouver. Um, looking at the stats here in the playoffs, Varlamov holds the best record only by one win. 
and he holds the best uh, goal, goals against average. However, the one goalie that's uh, right behind him is the goalie he's facing as on the opposite side of the rank, Carter Hart. Car- so Varlamo, 7-2, 0.934 save percentage, 1.67. Two out of those three categories, he leads the Eastern Conference. And frankly, he leads... Uh, yeah, yeah he, uh, the Eastern Conference. The other one is Carter Hart, six and two. He's only off by one win. Um, again, the save percentage nine point four three. Hart leads that. The goals against average one point seven one. So Hart is right there in stats with Varlamov, if not so if almost better than him. So they're really those first yet. few games. Even I think the game they were Montreal. the qualifying rounds. For the qualifying, but if you remember correct, those games he only gave up one goal. Yeah, and most of those games and again, he had a the shutout. Only thing yeah. that really killed him was the two games crazy against Hart. He let up four goals, and yet his goals against average is still a one point seven one. That's phenomenal. Yeah, obviously the two the shutouts back back continue, help. Uh, you obviously hope, but you hope the Flyers can continue that success yep. from heart and have that continue throughout the team. Yep. Everyone gets the, better. The other um, thing I want to keep in mind though is their backup Tomas Grice. He's not played a single game. He's no stats for this playoffs. Brian Elliott, he had a little bit of, you know, uh time to uh, here and there, yeah. Yeah, here and there. And but again, he you know, he, he uh, you know, He's looked all right. He let in the one goal, but, you know, again, it's nothing to fault Elliott for. The team played awful in game two. But, again, so Brian Elliott, um, he's a 1.02 goals against average. Obviously, the one goal he gave up, a .958 save percentage. Technically, he did not get the loss because Carter Hart let in the majority of the goals there. Um, So, but, again, looking and ranking the goalies, though, out of all the possibilities out of the four in the East, starting-wise, I rank Varlamov as the fourth goalie. Really, I put it Varlamov, now Halak, because, again, Tukarask opted out, Carter Hart, and Andre Vasilevsky. That's from four to one as the worst to the best. Not just stats-wise, but just talent-wise in general. Halak, you know, Halak and Varlamov, you kind of know what you're getting. But Carter Hart, he's young. He's a great start. He's the future goalie of the league in general, Vasilevsky, he's still quite young, but you know exactly what you're getting him in too. He's, they're both elite goalies. Obviously Vasilevsky's on a whole new level compared to Hart because Hart's yeah. still getting his feet wet. This exactly. is, was only his first full year, I think in the league. It was. And he's only 22. Mm-hmm. Nuts. And yet it's here he saying, is yeah, He's definitely going to have his struggles at times. It's just, he, yeah. he definitely has the mindset to be able to overcome them. He um, and it's so crazy watching Hart play, watching the similarities between him and Carey Price. It's scary how similar their mannerisms, yeah. the way they move let's in not, the net. Let's let's not trade him away like we did with Farvaski. I I know I know. And, and again, they, I don't think they will because yeah. the, oh, they definitely they, won't. yeah. But uh, let's quickly, Jeff. Let's predict this series. Yes, at least this game. We already predicted the series. So we, we have, have six. the Flyers in six. Uh, I and think this first game is going to be kind of a lot of feeling each other out. 
So I think it's going to be relatively. I, I think, that's a great point I think it's going to be a relatively low scoring, but I wouldn't be surprised. Similar to what I said against Carey Price having one bad game, I think they're because the Islanders have played so well in these play-ins, less playoffs, mm-hmm. that they're do one at least one bad game or not great game. And that's one game yeah. the Flyers can capitalize. I think they'll be later in the series, but for this one, I, I'm going to say three-one Flyers win. That is a good. Um prediction there and it's again it's going to be a very similar yeah. playing style say, to how the yeah. islanders and the montreal canadians play who are your uh, goal scorers for the teams Rovillier, who's kind of been on fire for the of course, he's been red high uh, i'm gonna put uh because somebody's gonna have an ass on fire because he didn't name names but he kind of named names uh, av of the top, t- top more so players. The, the the veterans basically everyone would Voracek so it's gonna be Claude Drew, Sean Couture, Kevin Hayes, even though he scored a goal, mm-hmm. Travis Connecty, uh, those four mainly, one of them's gonna get a goal because mm-hmm. AV's comments were directed towards them and they yeah. know that. And they know go they gotta with, step up their game, especially if the Flyers want to advance to the next round. I'm going with Raffle, Drew, and Phil Myers. My Z. Love it. It's going to be another tough one. Um, I want to say it's going to be a one-goal game. I'm saying either 3-2, if not 2-1. Uh, and it's gonna, I think whoever wins this game, it's going to be a late goal with five minutes left in the game. I'm still on the fence with who I have winning game one. Again, it's going to be that close of a series. I'm predicting it's going to go six. Um, I'll say three, two. And I'll say for the – so let me go for the first two goal scores for both teams because, again, I'm having a tough time coming with these round one game one. So Anthony Bavellier, he has been a game changer for the Islanders this playoff so far. He's going to be red hot. He's keeping – he's going to keep going. He's going to get the first goal. The other goal is going to be, be J.G. Paggio. Paggio has been a nice spark for them. Now switching over to Flyers, it's going to be Kevin Hayes. He's going to, you know, get going. If he plays, I'm going to say Nicholas Aubey-Kubel, who, again, he's expe- it sounds like he's expected to play. He's going to be a nice, fresh face. Also, I don't think he played against Islanders that much this, this year. They only got three games in instead of a typical four. And I don't remember if he played or not uh, during – if he did, he only played against, someone, I think, one game maybe, maybe even two. But my thing is, though, is, um, again, he's a fresh face. He you – know, the Islanders, Islanders don't know his game that well. But I think he would be a big difference if he plays. So I'm saying those two <sighs> – again, this is, this is what's tough for me. It's, it's going to be a very defensive battle. The island, sorry, the Flyers. They played the last game. They're more fresh, in a way, because they they were the last ones to play the, the the latest game. The Islanders have technically had more time off to rest. But I think that's also Flyers. a benefit too, because I think the Flyers, because they've had that series one, I think might have a maybe an early edge because of that. Because I feel like the yeah. Islanders have pretty much coasted this whole time. They they did because again they were up three nothing against the Capitals, even though they. Lost game four, they lost them yeah. three to two, and then they took. And it again, that was the same way. It was the same five. way they won against the Panthers. They took the first two games, lost the third game, won the fourth game. 
there you go so with that being said and i think the flyers will probably have some type of jump um but i, I, it, I it's, it's definitely a the test flyers it's a test a for both teams no. And it is a test. Again, the Flyers have played somewhat similar to the Islanders in Montreal, but the Islanders never really played, again, as of late, anyone like the Flyers. The only, you can They've had bits more, and pieces of both those teams as the Flyers in Florida. Combined. Yeah, again, combine it's, them, it's, but, it's, a, it's a bit yeah. of the, like the Capitals with a pretty strong top six. Obviously, the Flyers have a much stronger top six, but you kind of have the mix of the Panthers as well because of the depth. But again, I think that's the only. But you had the better defense. Bits and pieces. There. You, you have the better defense. Yeah, you have the bits and pieces of both teams. The Islanders. It's it's going to be a very strong. Let's play. And again, for both teams, it's. I, I think. I got. It's veteran coaches. They know what they're doing. It's going to be tough. It honestly you go going, all the way for this. You for the sake of this, I'm going to give Philadelphia here. The last goal will be from Joel Farabee, and. I think that again, it's going to come down to the to the wire here. But the, the one advantage for Philadelphia, they play, they basically just played this team in the Montreal Canadiens. It's going to be a lot different, a lot less of a better goalie. The defense isn't as strong as Montreal, in my personal opinion. Also, they have some weights on the fourth line, and that's going to cause them some problems for the Islanders. It's going to cause them some problems for themselves. They have some anchors. Keep your head up, you know, too. Keep your head yes, up. Yes, keep your head off, especially when Leo Komarov and Matt Martin are on the ice. Or I was just they saying, will, so you don't have another uh, – you don't have a backstrap yeah. situation. But also, a huge thing for the Flyers, Matt Niskanen is now in the lineup. Yep, he's he's back. bad because of the one-game suspension. Head taps. So there you go. Head taps, taps. all around. All right, head taps for everyone. Do it with Derek me, Mike. Do it with Derek me, head taps. No, gross. No. <laughs> Boo. Boo. You were doing so Derek. well. Boo, Damn boo! It, because well, of that, we have to we have to end the podcast now. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. You're so welcome. Uh-huh. But I have the Flyers winning three to two. Mike has them winning three to one. Seven o'clock star. I believe that's on NBC Sports Philadelphia and most likely NBCSN. Um, that's on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Well, then NBCSN. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, this has been a rough ending for me. Just like it was for Kevin and the Caps. Yeah. And we'll see you. Uh, I redeem time. myself. Yeah. Bye.